a lot of times I hear things like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I, you know, I wasn't a slave owner. I didn't, you know, I'm not a racist. And what I think we forget is that it really doesn't matter who was or who wasn't. Um, it matters what happened. It really costs you nothing to validate someone's experience. Welcome to Culture Coach, a podcast with me, Nikki Lerner, helping you to engage in a proactive movement towards unity and understanding as it relates to culture and come from. Thanks for joining me today. You ready to go? Let's get started. Hey, thanks again so much for listening. You know, I wanted to create a space each week where you and I can learn about different cultures and come froms in a safe, non-threatening, non-embarrassing environment. I hope you enjoy this podcast. For more creative resources and ideas, you can engage with me at NikkiLearner.com. So I'm here with Deborah Martin. Uh, Deborah, I'm going to let her introduce herself, but um, Deborah is one of my best friends. We've known each other. It feels like a lifetime, but we have had so many conversations over the years about culture and ethnicity, all kinds of things, right? Um, mm-hmm. Culture as it relates to things other than ethnicity. And uh, I wanted to bring you on the podcast uh, just to share your wisdom and your life so that we can all keep learning from one another uh, on our journeys. So Deb, why don't you just introduce yourself to the listeners and I don't know, tell us something about yourself. Do you like, you know, the mountains or the beach? Do you, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever you want to say. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, my name is Deborah Martin and I have, as Nikki said, had the pleasure of uh, doing life and ministry with Nikki through different seasons. It looks very different. I currently uh, work as a regional manager uh, in office and facility support, or as I like to say, bringing order to chaos, which is one of my favorite uh, things to do. So let's talk about culture for a minute. What are some of the events in your life that have shaped your viewpoints uh, or your worldview right now regarding mm-hmm. cultural diversity? Um, I just feel like there's so many different pieces that, that set us up. And sometimes we don't even realize what they all are. So I grew up very sheltered, um, very monocultural. Um, so white background. I did not know anyone of any other cultures that I recall until probably my early teen years. Um, and that's really because I started working. Um, and so I didn't experience other cultures and I actually came from a very isolated religious, um, background where it felt like we were kind of afraid of everything, or at least like, you know, I'm very, um, very kind of hedged off. One of the things I was thinking about is the first guy who ever actually asked me out was, um, half Chinese and half African American. And I remember just like, I had such a crush on him. He, his eyes were just like mesmerizing. Um, and I remember he asked me to a movie. We were both into like Kung Fu uh, movies at that point in my life. And I remember thinking like, this is the coolest thing ever. And 
the reason it sticks out to me is because when I um, talked about it with my family, I was immediately greeted with that that could not happen. Like one, I wasn't allowed. Partially, I think it was because I was young in their eyes. I was 16. Um, and the answer I got was that sometimes, uh, and I got what I learned was a stereotype, um, that black men only are after white women because it's a notch in their belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me as a young woman, um, I experiencing kind of took that in and that was hard for me just as a, as a woman to hear that maybe that was the only reason someone would be interested in me. Mm. Um, but it was also probably the first time that I can recall having a little bit of dissonance between what I was being raised in and what was kind of accepted. And what I didn't believe was that it came from a place of malice what I do know is it came from a place of lack of understanding, mm-hmm. lack of, there were no relationships or at least very minimal um, relationships in my world at that time that were outside again of my kind of own culture and own very closed um, experience. Even like everything was church and school was kind of the same environment. Um, and so it was the first time that just something felt incongruent with what I was feeling And so uh, my upbringing definitely taught me to kind of like stay in the lines and be afraid of what you don't know. I I think it's really interesting (laughs) that that encounter that you had with your family, that it was, um, and I wouldn't have thought of this, uh, it's so brilliant. It it was two pronged, right? Mm -hmm. The first prong was the stereotype Mm -hmm. of black men but then also the second prong, which I wouldn't have really thought about, which was then that starts to speak to your own self-esteem as a person. Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever heard anybody say that before. Nobody ever talks about how that actually makes a white woman feel when she mm-hmm. hears that, particularly when she's in relationship or marriage or in love with somebody from a different culture group. I recognize that I think one of the gifts Um, that I've been given is the gift of understanding, the gift of thinking, I know when I go into a certain environment, what my culture um, or my skin represents. And so I have tried um, in my life to be just a little more considerate of that as I've gotten older and had more experience around that. I'm a strong woman and um, definitely independent, can be loud and um, uh, kind of go in comfortable because in general, I tend to be more comfortable in my own skin. So recognizing in experiences where, where I am a minority or I'm coming into a relationship, um, communication or whatever, I just try to keep that in mind. The only way that you dismantle it is really by understanding it and knowing somebody who that stereotypes about, like, I remember having a conversation with, um, a friend of, of ours. And he was telling me he's from, um, I believe he's Puerto Rican. And he was telling me about how everybody who just sees you as Latina immediately is like, Oh, well, you must like tacos. He's like, <laughs> I don't, I don't love ta- Like, he's like, I like tacos just as much as the next person. But you know, just because I have, you know, a Latin flair in me doesn't mean like that's all my life. And it was something, again, one of those moments that just enlightens 
um, enlightens your life to say, oh, wait, how many other things am I saying and how many other assumptions am I making in my life um, about a people group that I don't even know? Like, maybe I don't even know anyone in that people group. And it's not until you know someone in that people group that you understand how detrimental something like that could be. Like my experience as a white woman, you know, in an interracial relationship, um, when that occurs, that it's not until somebody knows me, Deborah, that there might be a different consideration than the stereotype of why white women might want to be with a black man. Um, right. Yeah, I love, I, that's so insightful. I love when you said the, the idea about my normal is everyone's normal. Mm. Um, and I actually think that is one of the keys to moving forward yeah. in diverse work and life. Mm -hmm. Coming to the realization that, you know, how you think is not how everybody else thinks. Yeah. And I think that's why, not all the time, but sometimes, at least here in the United States, that can be trickier for white American culture sure. of being the majority. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've talked about this before that, you know, everything around us is called normal, mm -hmm. right? but a lot of it is cultural. It's just when you're the majority of that, of anything, yeah. and, and all of us find ourselves in the majority of something at some time. Of course. Yeah. That, when you're the majority, you literally think everybody thinks like you. Mm -hmm. um, and so being able to just step out mm -hmm. from that, uh, that socialization really yeah, um, is really important so that you can see what's really going on mm -hmm. so that you can decide then now as a, um, a culturally uh, proficient or curious, let's say a cultural curious person. Yeah, I like that. For the next step um, along, along the way. I'm very, very sorry um, for things that non-white people have thought about you, said about you, just because you happen to like someone in a relationship. Thank you. I'm really sorry about that. Um, anybody that would get to know you uh, as a person uh, mm -hmm. would know how stellar you are and awesome you are, and you're someone who's worth being known. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think most of the time that has more to do with other people than actually you. But it sure. affects you. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing gets down. Mm hmm you are. So, um, I'm really sorry that you had to walk through that. Thank you. That's, that's kind. I think, yeah, you just, you don't ever know until you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's only, I think one, again, one of the gifts has been knowing people, um, being in relationship and ministry with you has been a life changer for me um, to, you know, we always poke in the box, like mm -hmm. uh, about <laughs> what, what we, right. I told a, one of my employees today that I was like, when I was actually was doing an interview and I was like, that's how we live. Like, let's, let's do the best that we can, but then also let's keep poking the box. And I think 
Um, that is so important, especially if, if you're going to consider being in any kind of life with someone of a different thought process. Mm-hmm. I was um, dealing with a client. And she, um, I found out through the grapevine that she wasn't a big fan of mine because of my experience, um, with, uh, working and, you know, living and doing life with people of different cultures. Um, she is, um, Brazilian. And so one of my first questions, um, which, you know, took a while to kind of train that muscle was what am I missing? You know, what, what else might there be here? Let me consider her culturally, because I know that we look through our vision of culture often before some of our other things. So her um, experience with me was not that I wasn't doing my job, not that I wasn't communicating, um, but she was receiving information from me and was very frustrated by it. And so um, once I reached out to a friend of mine who has, is Brazilian, I'm um, half Brazilian. And I just asked him, what do I need to know about your culture mm-hmm. that I like that I could consider? Um, and sure enough, he kind of enlightened me to um, some of the things to consider with Brazilian women. And so I altered some of how I was communicating and um, what I was saying, I think was fine, but how I was communicating it um, was not being received. And I mm-hmm. teach all the time that communication is only as effective as how it's received. Right. So if it's not received, then you really haven't communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked. And so in my, uh, in my job, I needed to communicate. So I adjusted how I was saying things, how I was phrasing, asking more questions, offering support, doing that. And that has changed our, um, my ability to relate with her and even my standings with that particular client. Um, but it wouldn't have happened if I didn't consider her experience. And, and then once I heard what her experience was, I was appalled um, and, and grieved because I realized I had been, um, I had been communicating and hurting her unintentionally, but I'd still been doing it. And so regardless of whether it was intentional or not, it was still hurt. It was still frustration. And I still needed to respond to that. Yeah, I, I love that question as a strategy tool. Um, what am I missing mm-hmm. when you're trying to really connect with someone? And whether you perceive or, or not perceive that culture might be part of the issue in communicating, um, that question is brilliant because it is a, it, it is a question that is fair Uh, It's a question that is born out of humility. And as someone who is navigating culture, and again, trying to stay, I think we just uh, coined a new phrase, culturally (laughs) curious, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Culturally curious. um, That is a a brilliant question to ask someone. And that's, I think, whether you're in conflict with them or not in conflict with them. Totally. what, What am I missing shows dependence on that other person um, mm-hmm. and invites them into uh, the conversation, invites them into decision-making, you know, whatever it is. So that, that's really, that's really brilliant. I'm going to shift a little bit. I know you have um, very much felt like uh, an ally at this point yeah. in your life for people that are different than you culturally. 
And so can you describe uh, for us what that means for you? How do you, how do you become an ally uh, for other people? Hmm. Um, so the reason that the idea of kind of an ally um, is recognizing who you are and what you represent and kind of the what can you bring or give to others. I think we are given um, tools and gifts and strengths and skills um, that are not like they are for us, but they are really for the greater. This idea of basically kind of standing in the gap, like we didn't have to be the one who did something wrong Mm. to, you know, to stand up for it or to kind of apologize, to lament for it. A lot of times I hear things like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I, you know, I wasn't a slave owner. I didn't, you know, I'm not a racist. And what I think we forget is that it really doesn't matter who was or who wasn't. Um, It matters what happened. It really costs you nothing to validate someone's experience. Ooh, say that again. Say that again. It really costs you nothing to validate somebody's experience. Wow. Girl, I'm writing that down right now. (laughs) That um, was a huge, powerful thing in my own life. Um, So I uh, was taken advantage of when I was a child by a family member. And um, it took me a really long time to um, never really talked about it. And so I was finally in therapy, uh, kind of in my mid-20s. And up until then, I was never really able to like name it. I knew what had happened and um, you're always kind of waiting for somebody to tell you they're sorry. Mm. You're, you're waiting for somebody to say what happened to you was wrong. Mm. And I remember it, my therapist finally saying to me one time we were talking about it and he just apologized to me and said, what happened to you was not right. Mm. Um, that shouldn't have happened and you should have been protected and you know, all of those things. And I remember just sobbing because it was a thing I, I didn't necessarily know up until that point that that was what I needed, um, for me to start to encapsulate and start to be able to move through it. Um, and it not define me. Um, and so I just think that, um, I needed to know I wasn't crazy and that my experience was valid. And because I feel like that was given so generously to me, I feel like it would be wrong of me not to kind of pay that forward to know that again, my therapist wasn't around when I was taken advantage of. He, he had nothing. He's not a family member. He wasn't even closely assigned or near that to be able to speak to that. And there's something so powerful about him standing in the gap for me. Mm. Um, And so when I think about that, about culturally, I just think whether it was me or not, I still get to stand in it because of what I represent. Mm -hmm. I still can say, I'm so sorry that that was your experience. And I'm so sorry that that happened to you, whether it is current or history and it was wrong. 
And I think that what I keep reminding myself, even as like the, the term of being an ally is really, it's just being, in my opinion, just being a good human to somebody else. That's awesome. Deborah. that's awesome. So, um, gosh, thank you so much for this time. I, so much you said is so insightful and um, things that we need to pull apart the next time we do this, for sure. Um, what advice would you have for uh, someone who may be kind of scared mm-hmm. to take that first step from moving their work or their life from monocultural to multicultural? Or if they have some cultural diversity in their life, extending that cultural diversity, maybe even to another people group that they don't have anybody in their life, uh, what encouragement would you give them as they wrestle with their fear? The thing that I would say is to stay curious and to not choose offense, Mm. to consider the experience from somebody else's side, I think actually helps us through our fear. That is something that doesn't come naturally to think about what it must be like for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely think that when you're focused on somebody else, the fear and those other, you know, uncertainties, there's just no room left for those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you're so curious that you're like, I got to know the answer. Like, so so that would be what I would say um, to, to keep pushing, keep pressing and stay curious. Hey, thanks so much for making the time to listen. If you like the insight today, tell your friends and be part of the newsletter at NikkiLearner.com. Remember, it takes that first decision to realize your vision for a more generous, multicultural life. I'll see you next week.